Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of the Analyze and Educate podcast. This week I have on my second guest, the Rooftop Meme Guy. He moved here from Vietnam when he was about 2 years old. He joined the Army in the 82nd Airborne. After that he got out and did a little bit of contracting. And he gained popularity on social media a few weeks ago uh, while he defended the uh, business of a family friend during the riots that were going on in Orange County and Los Angeles. You can find him on Instagram at Biet Dong Quang. I'm sure I butchered that. I think he'll forgive me for it, though. That's B-I-E-T-D-O-N-G-Q-U-A-N. Again, Biet Dong Quang on Instagram. And before we get to it, this is, of course, sponsored by Mission Essential Gear, your one-stop combat show. Home of the Thules, the tactical handbook for unit leaders. That's available at megearco.com and Amazon. Again, megearco.com and Amazon. We talk, of course, about his time in the Army, talk a little bit about what he did with contracting, and then, of course, uh, we get into the riots and protests in the wake of George Floyd's death. And we also talk a little bit about his family history, uh, particularly his father and what it was like growing up in Vietnam, of course, during the war and fighting in it. So, again, really hope you guys enjoy this. Um, You know, let me know what you think. uh, Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Really appreciate all the feedback. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, review, whatever you could do on the platform you're listening to. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you for making time for me. Yeah, yeah, of course, dude. Um, So for anyone that doesn't know you, you want to introduce yourself real quick? All right, so uh, I've been referred to as the rooftop uh, Korean guy, but I'm actually Vietnamese. It was like around the end of May, early June. You, You guys saw that picture of that dude. Uh, bent on one knee with the M1 carbine with the LED lights on the rooftop overlooking the street. Yeah, that's me. The, the original one, not, not any copycats that you guys see around here and there. So uh, where were you? Oh, what's up? Oh, no, yeah, you're good. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, so let's start off, man. Where were you born and raised? So originally um, born in Vietnam, like uh, came to America in 94, uh, grew up in uh, Orange County in L.A. area. Okay. How old were you when you left? About two years old. Like, uh, my birth certificate literally has uh, a hammer and sickle on it. And then, like, what's funny is when I got into the Army, they didn't even question it. Really? That's kind of surprising. I guess times have changed. Right? Right? They're like, uh, you know what? We're, we're, we're allies now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of is kind of weird, man. Like, I don't know if you pay attention to that at all i i keep up with it a little bit but it's kind of weird to see like relations between us and vietnam like kind of uh i don't know become more positive i guess yeah and then they were literally shooting at each other like 40 something years ago like 45 years 46 years ago yeah i was um i was listening to some podcast a while back and this dude basically said like even you know, even though like us in Vietnam, like we have our past, like Vietnam has its past with China as well. Right. And there's still like kind of, kind of enemies. There's still that tension there. So Vietnam will kind of use a like relationship with us to their advantage against China. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, um, don't quote me on this. This is just a hearsay, but 
Yeah, it's because we've been uh, having issues with China for like about a whole millennia from back in the, the early times when they would consider uh, Vietnam as like an extension of their land. Uh, was it called enslaving uh, people, natural resources. So they were like uh, basically uh, making us like a additional uh, additional uh, country for them to take resources from for like thousands of years. And then after that, it was the Mongolians, and then you got the the French, and then the Japanese. So it's like, hey, America, like we're, we don't hate you because you don't, you were only here for like a decade, while everyone was here for like a century plus. Oh man, I feel like that is a common theme in that region of the world. Yeah, where it's it's just always somebody in power trying to take power, you know. Yeah, hey man, that's a that's a way of the world. Yeah, it really is. But you are, I think you are correct though, because they are trying to muster as many allies they can. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, it make it makes sense, even though if it is pretty bizarre, it makes sense, right? Yeah, you hear about the. Um, in India, they had a little skirmish and like a bunch of dudes from both sides in China and India died. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I did an article about that, I don't know, a week ago. That is crazy because yeah. that's the first time anyone's actually died, um, you know, in clashes between the two sides since 1975, I want to say. Yeah, basically they're the end of the war, uh, Vietnam War. And it, yeah, the... Uh, the Indian government literally told their border troops that they have the green light to open fire if necessary. That's insane, man. I guess I didn't know this until a couple months ago, but I know there was like, there was a pretty big fight between them. Um, I want to say it was Mm -hmm. in May, like mid May maybe. And I guess Mm -hmm. what they've been doing ever since, you know, that border war or whatever in 75 is they just meet each other on the border and they, like talk shit to each other and like beat the hell out of each other with like metal rods and stuff like that but they don't shoot at each other i guess like that section of the border has been unarmed for decades it's so weird so it's like so it's like a big old brawl so and then i guess people died this time yeah yeah i mean still like no shots fired this time they just beat the crap out of each other uh what's also funny is um uh, India is a really big ally of Vietnam, by the way. Like, really? They sold them some weapons and stuff. Yeah. I did not know that. So they, they do, like, um, training exercises, I believe, uh, you know, like in the southeast uh, uh, of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, they're pretty much allies with them, the Philippines. And then they form, like, this union against China and stuff because that's the issue called the Spratly Islands. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, China like, increased their presence. And then the U.S. got involved, too, by flying into uh, – restricted areas man but yeah dude it's 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 all sorts of things building in the last couple of years but I'm, I'm not surprised that you know like like they're, they're about to go on a skirmish over over land yeah i mean i i definitely think um it's gonna be a a reoccurring theme but i'm sorry like i did not bring you on here just to talk about india and like vietnam and china you know what i mean oh no no worries but it, it's one of those hot topics that are happening right now, so it's it's only human to talk about these oh, things. For sure. I definitely think it's it's going to be something we see a lot more in the future. And something I noticed, honestly, is after the whole thing with this virus happened, when it you know became apparent that the Chinese government covered it up and just their handling of it was a total 
just disaster. Um, they really started yeah. to like project their power, like milita- militarily. Like I know, um, I can't remember if it was the Spratly Islands or the other island chain because I know there's two that are disputed between them yeah. and Vietnam. I can't remember the name of the other one. Yeah, there's uh, several. There's like uh, the area that they're um, hashing it out with Vietnam, Philippines, and then there's another area with like I think Korea or Japan. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's there's one island chain where it's disputed amongst I know Vietnam, China, I think Taiwan, South Korea and the Philippines, like just that one island chain on itself. So that's yeah. yeah. I, I think it's because, you know, we're in the 21st century. There's no more land to grab. So they're going to be like trying to be the first one to plant the flag there. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like I know, again, I can't remember which island chain, but I guess China basically announced their plans to set up like government on that island chain right and vietnam was pretty pissed off about that um yeah yeah i mean rightfully so right um i know Mm -hmm. there was something going on between them and like some malaysian fishing boats like i know in that area there's a lot of oil drilling um and there's a lot of fishing too right at the same time so i guess they sent out like a survey ship to kind of see where it would be good to drill for oil so they could bring in some companies there but they got into it with like some malaysian fishing boats and then you have the whole thing happening yeah. between them and india yeah that's that yeah they're pushing out like uh, what they believe is their uh what's called their their sovereignty so there's like actually boats from other nations are just fishing out there and they send their navy out to like basically sink them and shove them around bully them with hoses and there's um I took a, let's see, what class is it? I think it was comparative governments class, like last semester. And it was, my teacher was really good, right? I love that class. And I guess his wife is Chinese, right? So like when we got into Chinese, really uh, big on that, right? So he Mm -hmm. explained something to me and I don't, I had just barely heard of this in class, but I guess in their society, there's this concept called the mandate of heaven, right? So I don't know if you've heard that or not, but I guess. Yeah, it's I've, I've heard of it. It's like, you know how like in America, there's the manifest. Destiny? Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to, to that. Yeah. So what I I mean, what I saw, like after this whole COVID stuff and they just like screwed it up completely, what I kind of saw them doing, you know, with the islands and, you know, in the South China Sea and with India, it's kind of um like their leadership trying to keep the mandate of heaven or like in other words they're trying to keep public opinion in their favor right you know they don't want people to think that they've lost the mandate of heaven and then you know a revolution starts and they lose power yeah it's basically uh what's it called when there's a a, they feel like they're slipping their grip on the people uh a loss of faith in the government Mm -hmm. so you gotta uh what's it called in enforce your will yeah yeah enforce your will and basically reinstate the power that the people used to fear by by you know lavishing them with land conquests uh war uh, trophies accomplishments i guess all sorts of things like they're they're everywhere man (laughs) yeah no i'm you're completely right it's almost funny how predictable that is too 
yeah, it's it's literally just history repeating itself. It's just that we have more uh, more technology to actually watch it happen. No, for sure, for sure. That's a good point. So, uh, when did you decide you wanted to join the army? Or you were in the army, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, just I was. Sure. So, so it was like uh, I was eighteen or nineteen, you know, and then I was in uh, community college, and I was like, uh, you know what, uh, community college is kind of whack, and then like. Of course, there was a recruiter, you know, at the college, yeah. and then I, I took a pamphlet home, and then I thought about it, and then next day I just went to the recruiting station and just like, yeah, I, w- I want to get in on this. Literally dropped out of school, uh, and then basically yeah, I dropped dropped out of uh, you know a nice ass school. Just a you know, you know what? I want to go travel the world. I hate reading books. And then uh, they were like, hey, you want to do this? Like, oh, check this box. I'm like, what's that? It's airborne. You like a lot of money? I'm like, yeah, I like a lot of money. I'm like, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Does airborne still get paid extra? Yeah, it's one fifty a month, but you have to have a, a current jumps at least jump once every three or four months, I believe, four jumps a year. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But my my unit was like stupid into the field and uh, playing playing all sorts of games, so we jumped like three four times a month. So it was total a year at least twenty to thirty jumps. Jesus, who were you with? I was the 82nd Airborne. Uh, we were part of Third Brigade. Uh, we we're yeah, Third Brigade, and then became part of like the Vardy now. So it's like the unit I was in got separated from our Third Brigade Panthers, and now we're part of a full-on artillery division, I believe. Really? Yeah. Uh, fun times. My, I'm 28, but my knees definitely feel like I'm 48 right now. <laughs> I hear it, man. I mean, my knees are bad enough. I can't imagine how that how bad they'd be if I was airborne. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were like, "Hey, you like money? Yeah, I like money. Just check that airborne box. We'll come back upstairs, do the breathing test, and now you'll be you'll be leaving. You know, by next year, you'll have like a a brand new car, bro." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah they, what they, is they, it? They got me. <laughs> Sorry, what's up? I was like, "Yeah, the the army duped me, and I fell for it, just like everybody else." Yeah, that's that's the way she goes, man. Keeps the machine running. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. <laughs> what is it like to jump out of an airplane i've never done it and i really don't ever want to do it but i am curious to be honest dude um i'm still terrified of heights uh if anything going airborne has like increased my fear of heights by tenfold i think that's understandable (laughs) yeah like i used to be like iffy about roller coasters before the military where i was like oh god heights but then at the same time, I have this like adrenaline junkie where I have to know what it feels like. So I put myself in a position of danger because I get excited about it. And then airborne is cool. Um, the, my first couple jumps were awesome. Like you jumped out and then, you know, you feel like you're gliding in the air. So so just think about this. Uh, you know how like, when people are like just driving on the, on the highway and they throw a cigarette out and then that cigarette just whoosh, right? Yeah. So the, um, the bird's flying at 150 knots or – I, I think that's the correct speed, yeah. And then you hop out, and your body is like, whoosh. it's a it's a, a tandem uh, line on your on your parachute. So basically, you count to four seconds. That was the old parachutes, but the new parachutes, you're like uh, you're counting to one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, all with the six thousand. So six seconds, and then it should open. Now you counted, and you still feel that wind. That means your chute has not opened yet, and then that's when you start to panic. Yeah. Did you ever have to pull your reserve? Yeah, I've, I've actually got a couple of reserve rings in my room. 
Damn. Yeah. Uh, but it was like because it delayed. Yeah, it was like on a yeah. I remember back in 2013, 2014 during Hurricane Sandy, and we were jumping with the British, and then I was like, hey, it's like 15 knots of winds out there, and it's like a hurricane going on, and they're like, uh, there's a thousand jumpers, and I was like, oh yeah, we're not gonna jump because they the weather's too dangerous, and then. I guess the commander was like, we're going to have select 100 dudes to be the survey jumpers. I was like, oh, there's a thousand of us. There's no way I could be selected. They looked at me and, hey, you're number, jumper number seven. <laughs> Dude, it was terrifying. Like, I hopped out. It was pitch black darkness. It was like 10, 11 p.m. at night. You could see the rain coming in sideways. Uh, people are watching everyone landing. Like, they're coming in like 45 degree angle torpedoes. Like, I hit the ground so hard. Uh, my ACH snapped out, the chin strap snapped and landed like 20 meters, like southeast of me. I, I, I blacked out because I, I had a concussion and then I went in for a TBI. And then they, once they realized about 70% of the people who jumped in the survey jump got hurt or seriously hurt, they made everyone, they canceled the rest of the jumps. Uh, yeah, that sounds like an awful idea to begin with. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea for anyone to jump in that. It was a, a dog and pony show, you know, like because the Air Force oh, was there, yeah. Uh, like saying, "Oh, it's good," and then the entire British uh, uh, paratrooper, uh, their their entire like division, were not division, maybe a couple of battalions were there jumping with us. So it was like, "Oh, we got to press the, our, our buddies from across the pond that we can do anything." Yeah, I'm like, I knew a couple of dudes on that jump. They're they're paralyzed for life, and they're getting 100 percent right now because of that jump. Jesus, man. Yeah, I... yeah, and yeah, for me, it was like I just hit my head really hard, and then they said that, yeah, like yeah, bro, like we just saw you with your body just dragging, uh, dragging in the wind, covered in the mud and stuff, and we didn't see your helmet. We found it down there, and like you were out for like a couple minutes. <laughs> God, yeah, that's, that's miserable, that's, man. That's $150 a month ever, right? Hey, man, I hope you did something good with all that money. <laughs> yeah, that's, if anything, most of us spent on alcohol just to escape the reality of going back to work. Yeah, that's, uh, that's usually the way it goes, right? Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, like, yeah, because of in these incidents like this, like, I started getting, like, a slight, like, like uh, what's called nausea from just looking down from even three stories, man. Mm. yeah so that was like that's why if, if things get too high i just take my glasses off like, if i can't see it i can't fear it do you think it's that that jump in particular that did that to you or just the whole experience overall uh there, there was an incident uh um have you heard of toad parachutist mm, i can't say i have so just you know how like uh uh all the uh, all the paratroopers, all the shoots, they're all static lines, right? You know how like you just hang out the static line, and basically the, the 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 gravity of you hopping out the bird as it's moving the opposite direction will pull the shoot out of your back, right? Yeah. So let's say you're jumping out, and then like something goes wrong, and the static line wraps around you like like a rubber band uh, ball, and you're uh, just think of a rubber band wrapped around your body, and you're being uh, dragged by the plane, and you haven't pulled your parachute because the static line is wrapped around your body. And it just, oh yeah, here's a better uh, visual explanation. Just think of uh, you're driving out your car with the window down and you're holding a yo-yo and then the yo-yo just flapping in the wind. Oh, that does yeah. not sound too fun. Yeah, I was being dragged by the bird and uh, uh, what was it called? They were trying to pull me in. And then as they're trying to pull me in, it, it's cold, man. It's really cold as you're the side of your body just slapping against the side of the bird. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then it unraveled, thank God. And it released me, but I, I landed really far off. I was like three kilometers out and they thought I was missing or something. And it, it, it was a it was a daytime jump. So thankfully they found me pretty quick. Oh, yeah, man, you got lucky. I'm surprised you're only three clicks off. Yeah, uh, because right around the, the bend, they were doing a U-turn. So they didn't notice me until like, because oh. after everyone jumps, they're trying to pull out the stack lines back. And they're like, wait, there's still a guy attached to it. Jesus, man. Yeah. How often does that happen? It's really rare. Um, there's this thing that goes on in my life where um, the most random, unfortunate things always happen to me, like uh, <laughs> uh, at any given time. Like uh, when, I, when I was born, man, um, I was my mom said I was the first C-section because I came, I tried to come out feet first, and the umbilical cord was choking me around the neck. Oh, yeah. Man. And, and then several hours after I was born, my dad thought it was a good idea to take me to the jungles in Vietnam and like show show his son you know the, the world and then feed me raw honey and you know if you're under a year old as an infant and you get fed honey you uh, your body shuts down because uh it hasn't built up the enzymes to break down honey or, or, or syrup so my dad feeds me like raw honey like hours after i was born and then i'm back in the icu and in there for a week and then it got so bad that my family was shopping for a baby coffin jesus christ man yeah, <laughs> that that that's just the, the first day of my existence. Wow, well, I, hey man, I got a two year old. I'm glad I never gave her honey right after she was born. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's actually yeah, I, I still I still roast my dad about it. Where I'm like, hey dad, it's my birthday. Uh, I got some honey. You want to try it? <laughs> man, speaking of your dad, real quick, I saw that picture of you guys uh, shooting with that M1. Your dad looked very happy in that picture yeah he's um yeah this year he's pushing 73 he was born in 1947 so he's literally a a baby boomer oh wow yeah so 1947 on Cinco de Mayo (laughs) what was it uh what was it like growing up for him in Vietnam does he ever talk about it yeah um last year was the first time that we actually visited his folks that he hasn't seen since the 1950s uh so there was this part because uh, my family is heavily uh, Catholic origin, Catholic religion. Okay. Yeah. So oh. am I. So I can't remember exactly. It was like the persecution of Catholics in the 1950s where, uh, uh, where I, I think it was Kennedy or, or which, I can't remember which president. He arranged this thing where like uh, anyone who is Catholic or wanted to escape North Vietnam can, uh, can migrate to South Vietnam. So that's why you had a large influx of people from North North Vietnam moving to South Vietnam because they were escaping persecution from the communists. So because of that, like uh, my dad, uh, my grandparents, and a small amount of our family moved uh, to Saigon because we were originally from the north, and then we moved uh, to the south to escape, uh, yeah, to escape the persecution com- uh, from communism because they were literally uh, rounding people up, shooting them, uh, beheading priests, uh, Catholic priests, and everything. Jeez, man. Were yeah, they going so, after the Buddhists too, or just the Catholics? It was mainly the Catholics because of the image of Western. Uh, it was called like Western corruption. Mm, okay. Yeah. So it, it it was pretty wild. Like my dad literally was running for his life at seven years old. Man, that must have been hard. Yeah, he he's like the most calmest person. Like you would not believe that he'd been through all the stuff that he's been through. And like, and then like he's he he's got like. Uh, 
through and through AK AK bullet wounds, like through and through his leg, shoulder. He's got like scars on his back from getting tortured in the in the concentration camps. Jeez, man. Yeah, like you would never think he he's just like an old man who just loves watching Netflix every day. Like you would not expect it. <laughs> but did he I, fight I, in the war at all? Yeah. Um so in the in the mid sixties, early sixties, he worked at the the hotel still still exists today in uh, in Saigon today. It's called the Continental Hotel. No 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 relations to John Wick. <laughs> I that immediately came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, so it's literally called the Continental Hotel. And my dad was working there as an attendant, and he was going to school full time for like he was working human. Uh, he was uh, going for his degree in, in uh, human behaviorism or basically psychology, human psychology nowadays, what they call it. And then yeah, he he picked up English, you know, German, Chinese, all sorts of languages because you have all these foreigners coming in into like the hot pot, which uh, Saigon at the time was like the utopia Asian city because you know Korea and Japan was still rebuilding from the war, and then with all the French uh, influence there, it was literally the hottest city in Southeast Asia in the 50s and 60s. And then, um, yeah, he was working there as an attendant, picked up many languages, uh, got his degree, and then he ended up, uh, uh, majority of the people that were drafted, he actually volunteered, and because he had a degree, he went commissioned, and he went to like a a Vietnamese version of our ranger school called the Arvin Rangers. And then, yeah, the entire time he told me that he was like, yeah, you know, um, I was just a, a linguist, and I was like, "What what linguist would get seven years in a concentration camp?" Ooh. And then I looked at some of the photos, and I was like, "Wait, these look like the Mackie Sog photos." I'm like, "Cause the Arvin Rangers didn't have tiger stripes, and you had tiger stripes, Dad." And then one of his pictures, you have an XM one seventy seven Echo two that's only issued to like uh, like the special forces and Mackie Sog guys. And he was like, "Oh, I picked it up." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you totally picked it up <laughs> out of the ground." And everyone else seemed to pick up the same one too, right? <laughs> yeah, so he, he was serving from 68 all the way to 75. And uh, towards the end of the war, um, he literally tried to do a last stand. Like, you know, the, the fall of Saigon, he was literally sitting in front of our family house. Uh, he loaded up a bunch of 5.56 five, rounds, a couple grenades, a 1911. And he literally sat there and he said, I'm going to wait for the communists to come here. I'm going to take out as many of them as I can before I die. And then uh, he, my family, like uh, my, uh, my grandpa knocked them out. And then my mom and my uncle literally took all the, all the guns and gears and stuff, dumped in the river like 20 miles away. And then my grandparents were trying to burn all the photos and military documents because my dad worked with a lot of people that, uh, that were pretty important. So they were trying to make sure that they had no retribution against our family because regardless if he went after the communists during the fall of Saigon, or he just didn't do anything. They were afraid of retribution because, you know, word gets out, you were working, someone's going to snitch. And guess what? He got a letter being requested for a re-education camp, which is only attendance at a local high school to reassimilate assimilate uh, into the socialist community. And they said it was only going to be a month. My dad didn't come back until 1982. Jesus, man. Yeah, they, they transported him to so many death camps. Because he's escaped out of four of them. <laughs> and he got caught every time. And then two of the times he got caught, they just literally caught him eating at a restaurant. <laughs> hey, man, I hope the hot meal was worth it. Yeah, like uh, the last camp he was at was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it, it's called uh, uh, Sui Mao, which is uh, a reference to stream of blood or like river of blood. So it was literally where a lot of people died. 
Jeez, yeah, he's pretty grim. Yeah, like uh, they would do some horrible stuff. Like uh, this is the stuff that because after the Vietnam War happened, no one really cared about what happened to the people. You know, they're like, oh, uh, we pulled the troops back. Let's uh, let's live our life and forget about the country we got heavily involved in for like a decade in. You know? Yeah. So like he was in there. Like they they beat the cr- uh, crap out of you. Uh, think of like Jewish concentration camps, like Holocaust style, but you're in a jungle in a gulag. Uh, they literally set my dad out. They're like, oh, you're the highest ranking person when you were part of the former regime. Go gather these guys. They gave him like literally sticks, like wooden sticks. Go go dig out uh, the mines, all this minefield left by the Americans. And they're literally sending them to an open field with just like wooden sticks and go look for mines. And like, of course, dudes get blown up like the, oh, there's one escape where like uh, my dad almost got away um, he literally told the guard uh, that there was something going on here and then like the guard uh, uh, walked over and was like where are you guys babbling about get back to work he shoved the guard the guard fell face forward into the mine and blew his head off Ooh. and then my body like grabbed his body put it over the over the sea wire and then take his AK and they made a run for it How long was he? Uh, yeah. How long was he able to get away for before they caught up to him? A, a, a couple of weeks. Damn, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess it was it was the last escape because they made a threat, uh, saying that you do it again, we're just gonna execute your entire family that's still alive. So after they made that threat, he just didn't escape anymore. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense why you were there for seven years, Dad. Yeah, I'm surprised they <laughs> let him out after that. Yeah, um, he got out, and then there was a program uh, in the late '90s, early uh, no, yeah, late actually, sorry, late '80s, early '90s. It was um, basically if you were serving as a commissioned officer or some kind of special student with a with the U.S. government, uh, we're gonna fly your entire family over. So after a bunch of paperwork, I was born in '92 and '94. Uh, there, the, the American embassy was like, "Yeah, hey, uh, we're gonna get you to California." My, my dad like, "Let's get the fuck out of here." And he never looked back since until like last year. Yeah, I can't say I blame him. Yeah, and then you remember how I mentioned um, the persecution of Catholics, where they escaped in the 1950s uh, from the north to the south. Yeah. So, so what's funny is I found out I have a bunch of uncles and stuff. They're like literally my dad's brothers. They were fighting on the communist side in the north. Really. Yeah. So. He said that a few of them are like dying and stuff, so he's gonna visit them. And this is the first time that he's seen any of them since 1955 or 57. Yeah, 55. So we come to visit them, and then they own these big houses, and I see all these medals with pictures of Ho Chi Minh on there, and I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> Were they forced to fight, or was it, you know, on their own will? So I asked some of them about it, and they said at the time. You know, they felt like it was the right thing to do because nationalism, you know, it's like you got a new foreign uh, foreign force into your country and you want to reunite the nation. Yeah, it's just that communism, well, communism was just it's easy for for you to accept, especially if you're poor and you feel uh, and you and you're you're with other people and you feel oppressed. So you got to push out the, the burgessy, whatever they call it. So I think besides communism being a political factor, it was more of a national pride for people in, in the north because it was like hey you know we push back the chinese we push back push back uh the mongolians we push back the french the japanese you know the french again we can definitely push these guys back so it's just about two millennia of just fighting foreign invaders that it was just a call to arms naturally for the vietnamese 
that's kind of funny that you that's mentioned that, dude. Like I've I've kind of noticed that. Um, let's say, like, if you look at like Soviet communism, you know, it wasn't necessarily a national thing, right? They would pretty much bring in anyone that that wanted to come in. It was definitely more class based than anything, right? Um, yeah. But if you look at like the communist countries in like East Asia, like uh, definitely North Korea and I guess Vietnam too, like it's, I mean, yeah, it's a class-based thing, right? It's communism, but there's like a sense of nationalism to it as well. Yeah, it's basically uh, like we are all equal and we must defend the motherland at, at all costs kind of deal. Yeah, it's it's what it is with the communists. They preyed on the nationalism a lot about keeping our country uh, free from invaders, and then they bring up history, but they won't bring up like religion or anything. So it's it's that's why like the Vietnam War was hard to, to fight because it was uh, the South Vietnam and the Allied and American forces were are only uh, what's called fighting a defensive war. They could not uh, they can only engage when engaged upon. They can't like take land. That's why they were always getting pushed back. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I like, I did like some little paper, uh, in my class like last year, basically like kind of a summary on like why we lost Vietnam pretty much and like how we might have won, and like that was one of my points is we were on the defense pretty much the whole time. You know, we had special ops guys going into, uh, you know, the north or Laos or Cambodia, but you know that wasn't that wasn't the norm. Yeah, it was like, hey, just uh, we won't cross the border, but we'll just have a bunch of camps and patrols within our own uh, our own area, and then engage only when engaged first. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was kind of the only like like they couldn't actively go like, push uh, push for north and take land and stuff, and also uh, there's no borders, so anyone could just sneak under, and you had the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Like it, it was a lot of factors pushing back against the war because. You know, the bombing the crap out of them didn't work. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely not the best strategies on our part, for sure. Yeah, I'm just thinking it's most likely the patriotism and nationalism. That's why a lot of them didn't care about dying, and they just kept coming in swarms and waves after waves. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And that is, that's also like a reoccurring theme you see with communist armies, right? This is these human wave attacks that aren't necessarily made to, you know, they're not made to uh, be like comprised of skilled soldiers, you know what I mean? They're cannon fodder pretty much. Yeah, and they throw like, all think, night. think of Korea, like Korea when they had all those thousands of chinese troops just run, running over uh, running across tor- towards a gun nest like mm-hmm. open gun nest yep and i mean even in world war ii with the soviets man i mean they i think the soviets had like an estimated eight mil, like over eight million killed in action and yeah the germans had over four million killed in action and that's for all theaters so that includes like africa and you know western europe and the mediterranean stuff like that mm-hmm. and then yeah the soviets had this thing was like you get a gun you get a you get some ammo and if the guy with the gun dies you pick up the gun and the guy with the ammo dies you pick up his ammo it was like one gun every three dudes i was like 
that, that was bad. That was bad planning. <laughs> this is like it just bum rushed it. <laughs> that is honestly insane. Like thinking back, man, if you know, if the Marine Corps was like that, like, oh my god, <laughs> would be miserable. <laughs> Yeah, the, the rules would be, hey, just run fast and don't die. Oh, man. It'd take a lot less weight off, though, I suppose. But, you know. That's funny. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to go on a tangent about, you know, the war and then my dad's service. No, but... you're fine, man. You're fu- That's funny. I was just thinking about that. Like, I kind of – like, you're only, like, the second person I've actually, like, interviewed, I guess, or whatever, had on – so I kind of like had a general structure of how like I thought I would do this but no like this is this is perfect right we just can go on tangents you know back and forth it works fine yeah yeah like podcasts when I go I go on tangents every day like my my girlfriend knows about it like she'll just call ask me about my day and I'll go on a tangent about politics or or uh yeah, dude, like, like right now, I'm about to go on one where, like, we were seriously looking for a place to barbecue yesterday, and we went to, like, seven different parks that didn't have a grill, and I ended up buying a grill, like, a do-it-yourself grill, and then I built it, and then we went to a park, and they had a grill there, and I was like, Jesus. That's dedication. I saw that food you were making, man. That looked good. Yeah, it was, uh, it was basically, uh, short ribs, and then, um, yeah, short rib, and, uh, chuck around steak just mashed up and just compressed put over charcoal man yeah that sounds that sounds pretty good right about now for sure but the best part was the the filet mignon wrapped with bacon and it's over an open fire yeah yeah Yeah. like i said i go on tangents all the time man so no you're fine dude um to bring it back a little bit did you do any deployments when you were with 82nd uh, we we had one um, wasn't really you know one of those deployments that it wasn't really a deployment but you were just kind of there. Yeah, I I hear you, man. I I went to Kuwait, right? So I hear you a hundred percent. The the only danger there was the heat. Oh God, that was dangerous <laughs> enough. Trust me. Yeah, dude, one hundred and ten degrees in October, like your eyes would be piercing from the sunlight. Oh, man, is that where you went to? Yep, and then like yeah, the only other like. The points that I chose were like post, post service, you know, contracting and, uh, you know, Pat, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually gonna ask you how you uh, how you met Pat, how you guys linked up. Yeah, so I, I worked for like a, uh, it was time it was like a you heard of Aegis Defense Services? I have, yeah. Yeah, so they basically uh, they they got bought out by a Canadian company called Garter World, it was like, which is like a, the ones that run the money trucks. Yeah, yeah. And and because they bought bought out Asia's defense services they now have contracts with their feet dipped into every country like africa uh baltic states uh middle east and everything and then basically uh, doing their like uh, just doing the inside the wire security you know it's basically just basic contracting gigs so i got in there and then a couple months down the line got promoted to like srt supervisor doing internal external security uh basically I was like what what you call the civilian EOD team where like I, I didn't defuse anything, but I was to locate UXOs and cordon them off. There's one time, man, like on the airfield that I was like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull the truck around this way. I ran over, dunk, 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 I ran over the, the friggin' UXO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I got out the car dude and flashed my light on it. And I, and I friggin' threw up because I'm like, yo, I just ran over the UXO that was 
that was what that was they were calling incoming for <laughs> man yeah that's dangerous stuff have you um yeah. I'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna go off on another tangent real quick yeah go ahead <laughs> but uh did you hear um last year about that that marine battalion that lost those two rifles oh yeah uh was it three six or something yeah it was three six so i was yeah. i was <laughs> reading today um because i guess dd214 memes on instagram he's doing this competition like the worst command in the marine corps right and uh-huh. so it was three six going up against like my battalion two seven and i guess three six when they lost those rifles their um battalion commander had them like police calling for it in like a field fully uxo like a known uxo was there oh crap that, that, that's, that's pretty bad yeah that's a good way to get someone killed so it was probably like a training minefield and they're like hey go search for it yeah probably yeah because we we had one of those areas in afghanistan too where it was like where they tested all their uh their munitions and stuff and pretty sure like everything you test in a field for munitions uh you know grenades explosives not everything's gonna blow up so they're just gonna be just sitting out Mm -hmm. there waiting to blow up someday like we had this thing where they said you can just go out there with a golf club and then some golf balls, and just hit out in that field, and hopefully you hear a boom after after striking. <laughs> Man, I know. I don't think I was stationed in Twenty Nine Palms. I don't think I ever came up on UXO, um, but I do know like there was a good amount out there. So I guess the army actually had Twenty Nine Palms back in, I think the early forties is when they started doing their thing there, because that's where they like tested munitions and stuff and they they might have had um like an air sort of school there right to train pilots or something like that but i yeah, know basically like, like to drop bombs where they, yeah and that's they, where they blew up like mortars and artillery and stuff like that yeah and I'm pretty sure you not not everything goes boom after it's been shot at no for sure for sure yeah, so, man so they had the three six guys go through a uxo field yeah yeah i guess so i mean that's that's according to them you know, uh, I'm like that. That's at, like you know he should be removed from command. Like that, I'm like, hey, you, you lost two AR-15s, and we're gonna risk your life to look at in a minefield. No, I, absolutely. And I mean, it's obvious that those weapons were stolen. You know what I mean? They don't just. I mean, obviously, someone wasn't watching it to where they were able to get stolen. But you don't just lose it, right? You don't like throw it in the middle of a field and forget about it. That's not yeah. something that happens. Exactly. Like it, it has to be stolen or, and I'm thinking it's probably someone who's like, uh, you guys caught EASing, right? Like, uh, for, yeah, uh, yeah. It's probably like some dude that they didn't keep accountability. He's like, swoop. No, you know? for sure, man. You know, it's probably some dude that was like, you know, <laughs> three weeks from getting out and they dragged his ass to the field and he was pissed off and stole a couple of rifles. <laughs> that's, right. that's definitely believable for sure. So once that happens, you know, like, how are you going to find it anymore? It's just a tiny one. Oh, this is an AR-15 with a with a with a endpoint on top, or a or like a Trijicon, Acon, you know? Yeah, hey, that thing's not getting found, dude. Not unless it gets used in like a crime or something, right? Or like you know, someone gets called. They're like, hey, yeah, someone's trying to sell this at the pawn shop, and it has a UPC code on the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's the thing. That's how things are found. Some idiot is going to try to sell it or, or put it on arms list, and someone's going to say, hey, that's the three six rifles. Yeah, but 
yeah, dude, I remember, um, yeah, back in 2014, um, we had a jump, and I had I had to jump with this lieutenant, and he literally like thought thought he lost his rifle, and but I picked it up after him, like he was inside the truck, I was driving it, and he hopped out of his truck, and his his M4 just literally fell out. I I stopped the truck, and he screamed at me, and hey, why'd you stop the truck? Cause your rifle fell out the door, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we've been we've been in the field for three and a half weeks i'm not gonna try to be out here for another two weeks because your ass lost in a dark ass field like you're lucky i look to the right and that looks pay attention on the road for once yeah no kidding man jesus he's lucky you found that thing you guys would have been yeah. screwed yeah dude I, I met some dumb lieutenants where like he's like hey my my m9 is not firing i'm like yeah you load the rounds backwards i'm like okay well they're still not finally put the safeties on <laughs> It, 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 it's like you have a college degree you're supposed to be smarter than me you're paid significantly higher but but like your your brain is so smooth man like like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny man like the the whole stereotype of just like you know stupid boot lieutenants man like it's i mean it's real well you know i'll say like in my short experience right i was only in for four years but like from what i noticed like, there are some pretty solid, like, new boot lieutenants, you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. And then there's yeah. idiot, right? You kind of get either or. There's not not a whole lot of middle ground there. Yeah, they're either high speed or they're likable but idiot. Yeah. And yeah, it's, like, for the, for the most part, man, like, the ones that are pretty solid are just, like – humble guys you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah they're like they know you're in, sorry they know they're in charge of you you know mm-hmm. what i mean they're the lieutenant but they recognize that you know they still have a lot to learn yep like we we had some cool ones where we're like this one guy is actually helping us out like we'd go to the field he'd load stuff up with us and everything and he'd be out there in the dirt getting dirty with us and then i realized oh he, he was green to gold it makes sense he was like former enlisted and he went the officer out Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good point too, man. Yeah. We call them Mustangs. Like the Mustangs are usually pretty solid too. Yeah. Uh, I remember dude, um, it was uh, another jump and then there was this captain. I- I'm going to quote his name because he-, he he's an ass dude. Captain Carr. C-A-R-R. I'm not sure if he's a captain anymore, but this dude was like, they were like telling him like, uh, Hey, we-, we need you and somebody to jump with uh, I don't know. If you heard of this little rate, uh, comm system called comms 201. I don't think so, no. Yeah, so it's just think of something that's the size of a two forty and it's like with with uh with poles and everything, but it'll it'll fit in a bag with a two forty, right? So they're like, We need you to transport this to the field and I'm like, Oh nice, we could just drive this out and he he suggested that uh, one of his soldiers jump with it uh, and then he suggested me because I was the only experienced jumper uh, who's jumped with equipment besides uh, firearms. And should, should you not dude, um I literally, uh, they literally put my M4 in this modified case, and then they wrapped uh, the comm system in it, and so it was like 40 pounds on my leg. Oh man, that's and rough. Then, yeah, and then, um, yeah, and, and then he he was like, oh hey, uh, he's like, hey, I need you to jump this and this. I got my other stuff. Dude literally jumped with just an M9 pistol. <laughs> and nothing else. I carried all the radios and batteries, and then uh, all the maps and stuff. And yeah, and then 
had my M4 on top of a com an entire comm system attached to my leg. And I'm like five foot eight and 160 pounds. Yeah, dude, I landed like on, on the airstrip where it was like hard dirt. I could not release the bag, the comm system. So that thing slammed right into my hip. Now I was dragging it for two clicks and he kept calling me like, where are you? I'm like, um, you had me jump all the important stuff and you had me in the middle of the line. And then, being in the middle of of the lineup that means i would jump in the halfway point while you're jumper number three you would land in front of the the, uh, the meetup point so why are you getting mad at me if you put me in the wrong side with all the gear to land to land so far away yeah so i carried all that stuff for two clicks and then when i got there he told me hurry up and set it up and then a, a storm came up and then i was like hey sir we got to put this down because the storm's coming up no like, no keep up put put up the comms he really wanted me to put up comms during a thunderstorm like a big old metal rod, up like like uh, what's it called? Like uh, twenty five meters in the, sky, in the sky, not twenty five, twenty five feet in the sky. The metal what rod. Uh, he wanted to maintain comms with the uh, with the with the commander in the headquarters. I don't know how you maintain comms when you can't maintain comms, but you know. Yeah, like I was trying to set it up. He's like, "Hey, Captain Carr said go set it up during the thunderstorm," and then like. <laughs> And then this uh this major came out like like what the fuck are you doing? Get in the side. Who told you to do this? I was like Captain Carr. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. Name drop immediately. Yeah, I'm like you're inside in your insulated uh, truck and watching me suffer in the pouring rain with mud, trying to set up a comms tower with a thunderstorm, but thunder literally just striking about 25 meters from us. I saw the light flash around my eyes, and you're telling me to hurry up. Jesus, man. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, like, a good guy. yeah, like when life's on the line with some people, I'm gonna throw your name out there because you put me out there to die. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there's me going on a tangent again about you know, off no, you're, again, you're fine, man. You're fine. What <laughs> you guys do in Kuwait? Um, it was more like a, a presence, like we just hung out on the camp the entire time. I can't, is it, is it Eric John? Oh, you were at Arab John? Okay. Yeah. Air, there it was, yeah. We didn't we, we just hung out, dude. Like it was basically just a thing of stacking your money and not going anywhere. Yeah. And, no, I hear it, man. I mean that's that's pretty what much what we did. I mean you yeah. spend money on uh just like doing supplements like that. Yeah, blowing all your money off on overpriced items at the PX, hoping for something new to come out. Yeah, let me buy a GoPro, but I'm not going anywhere with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I went to Arab John, uh, I think like two or three times. I was at El Jabber for the most part. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're all basically place. the same. It's just a different. It's just a different a layout of where, where you're at. Like, like all you could do was spend money and work out. Yeah, yeah that's it, man. Well, you yeah. guys was it was it Arab John? Yeah, I think it was Arab John. You guys like had all the good stuff, dude. You guys had like a movie theater or something yeah, like that. Yeah, festivals and everything. We had a Starbucks that had a matcha green tea frappes. Man, I'm I'm kind of glad we didn't have that on uh, on Jabber because I probably would have been going there a lot. Yeah, dude, like like you weren't seeing any money saved up and at all. <laughs> yeah. It, it well, was like we- living with the bees forever. But with a store in front of it at a Walmart, it was like living at an outdoors Walmart. <laughs> well, I think you guys. So I think the army stations people in Kuwait too, right? For like yeah, a, a year or something like that. Yeah, they do the same thing as like that, and then Korea too. I'm I have some buddies that they every time they get stationed in Korea, I think it's a year. 
I'm not exactly sure. I've never been there. Okay. Yeah, I had a, a buddy who's an MP. I think he was in Korea for about a year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because I know there's dudes that, like uh, I know the Marines. They send people to like uh, Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think they go uh, to Okinawa in the mainland for like two or two and a half years. I want to say. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I I only did four years, man. Like same thing. Like they were like, "Hey, your options are Alaska or stay at Bragg." I was like, "I'm done." <laughs> hey, man. Once a once a marine, once is enough. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Hey, uh, you want to jump out of airplanes in uh, Arizona?" I was like, "I've seen the videos. Like they had to wear these like insulated white suits over their uniforms." And then yeah, they said that, that landing is soft because you're landing in ten foot of snow. But then you're dragging back that parachute and all your gear like soaked in like uh, sweat and everything, and you might get hypothermia while dragging it back to your meetup point. Jesus, is that the um the school in Yuma? Uh, the the airborne school yeah it's uh i think yes yeah, fort bending I, i'm i'm not sure if it's still there but when i took it it was fort bending they might have other places okay. but fort bending is like generally the location for it okay i know they have they have like some sort of uh like free fall school or something like that like at the yuma proving ground no that, well that, that's that's a that's a tier way above what i was doing so probably yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that stuff, man. I just know that people jump out of airplanes, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, like, uh, I get terrified getting on a regular airplane, dude. Like, if I don't like, usually, if I do have a flight the next day, uh, I can't sleep, and I'm hoping that if I stay up long enough, that I just pass out the entire flight and wake up when it lands. <laughs> Is that uh because of your time in the airborne, or just uh? Yeah, because your fear of heights before that. The fear of heights before that was like you no, know, the usual like uh, you know heights and everything. But after going airborne and all sorts of these events happening, it, it's like when I look out that window and I see the bird taking off, and I'm I'm thinking I'm like I'm in my voice. There's a head a voice in my head going like uh, like get ready, stand up, hook up. I'm like no 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 no. I'm riding a civilian plane. You know it's a commercial plane. I have to get up and hop out the bird. <laughs> And then it makes you think of all, like, oh, this is the height where I was dragged at. Oh, this is the height where my parachute failed at. Man, I am so glad I didn't go airborne. Yeah, it's it's not worth the $150 a month. It's, I, you know, to be honest, like, I thought it was cool in the beginning. Like, I honestly did. And now it's like, yeah, I don't regret it, but you can never get me. Like, you cannot pay me enough to do this again. Yeah, I feel like that's how... Uh... A lot of people were as far as like their service goes. Yeah, it's like we don't regret it, but you bet your ass that we're not going to sign up and do the same thing again. For sure, man. For sure. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Awesome, yeah. I don't know why that app does that, man. It's kind of lame that you can't do calls for more than an hour, but whatever. Yeah, it's, maybe it's with their cloud system where it's like, <clears throat> hey, you get one hour unless you want to upgrade to the, a premium account or something, something like that. Maybe. So I wanted to ask you um, about your contracting time. Well, I guess you touched on it a little bit already. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So, what you went to Afghanistan, right? So, where you met Pat? Yeah. Yeah. So, we were working different companies, but we were part of like this Facebook group that was basically just roasting and trolling people. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Because <laughs> there was this kid in my company that was working the gates, right? And he was acting all like, oh, I'm a sheepdog. Uh, oh, like, you know, like, I'm a threeper. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, uh, um, like, I, I have no combat experience, but I'm out here watching the streets from, from the bad guys. I'm like, bro, you check IDs. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then me and Pat were roasting him. And then Pat's like, wait, he, he, he works in a company? Yeah, he's like at the bottom tier of our company. Like, he's the dudes that drive by and make fun of. <laughs> And then, like, he was acting all hard, and then uh, Pat and me found his Instagram where he was, like, uh, doing all, like, sorts of weird, weird, cool guy photos. So, Pat, I, so I went to go pick up Pat from his installation, and then he printed out a photo of that weirdo dude. And then I literally drove, I picked up Pat, drove him to that gate, hid in the corner. Pat walked up to him, like, hey, you're so-and-so, right? Here, uh, is this a picture of you? I want to thank you for your service. And then Pat did a 180 and went back to my truck. <sighs> It was a it was a screenshot of his Instagram photo. <laughs> he was like, "I want to thank you for your service, man, out here protecting us from like you know identity fraud and like trash or something." <laughs> little little reality check never hurt. Right, and then he was he got so mad. He was like, "Who told him I work here?" And then I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> but yeah, that's how I met Pat. Awesome. Yeah, he, uh, dude, Pat fucking, Pat knows a lot of people, man. Yeah, he does. Like, it's a small So I had, I had actually, like, me and my friends were, like, honestly passing that meme of you around, like, when all that, all this rioting stuff started happening, you know, because ever, like, everyone's yeah. into, the, oh, you know, rooftop Koreans, you know what I mean? And we're from California, right? like a yeah. big thing and yeah we were like passing around that meme and pat i had a dude on a couple weeks ago that pat met contracting right and then uh-huh. yeah he like keeps hitting me up with people he's like oh god you want the rooftop korean on and i'm like well i mean it depends on who but i think i know who you're talking about <laughs> you know? uh-huh. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah he was like yeah, let me hit you up this guy you guys can link up and stuff i was like yeah sure i'm down yeah, he knows a lot of people, man. He know. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that video of that uh, dude in Seattle who snatched that rifle from the guy that stole it from the cop car. Yeah, like he, yeah, that he just walked up this armed yeah. dude and took out the the bolt carrier group and stuff and just slung it on his shoulder. I was like, yeah. wow, Pat knows him too. Like, that's yeah, that, yeah. That dude was a. Um, he also was a contractor too. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, he's a former Marine, and he was doing contracting at the, at the time during the video. He was like doing a like a a small PSD gig uh, stateside. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, this is what I'm just hearing from other people that uh, it was, he was doing a PSD uh, like a little PSD detail for like uh, some politicians or some important uh, people in the area. So I guess he went out and reacted to the to the surroundings. <clears throat> He did a good job. Like, he didn't pop no shots. Nobody was hurt. He disarmed the stolen weapons. Yeah. No, that makes sense, man. And then, yeah. 
Well, I saw one of your uh, one of your photos on Instagram. Sorry, I was like kind of stalking you on Instagram before we got on here. No um, and you posted something like about hate crimes on Asians, like after this whole COVID thing. And I know, like, I, I oh, heard yes. a lot about that, like particularly in SoCal, right? And I know that was a big thing mm-hmm. um, that like led a lot yeah. of, like, particularly Asians to go out and buy guns. Yeah, it was actually an influx of guns, like where like almost every gun store uh, that around like my buddies that frequent to, they saw a lot more Asian people going in there uh, asking information about, you know, because, you know, California's super whack restrictions where you got to get an FSC, pay for this, mm-hmm. like all sorts of fees. Like, yeah, they were all like want- taking uh, classes, uh, signing up for firearms handling classes. That's why most of the guns were bought out. Like they bought out shotguns, rifles, handguns, you name it. <sighs> Because during because of the COVID thing where, uh, you know, like everyone just assumed that, oh, if the person's of Asian descent, they must be Chinese. And if they must be Chinese, they must have COVID. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, the world has no shortage of stupid people, right? Yeah, it's it, yeah, you're right. Like for every uh, smart person, there's 10, uh, 10 idiots to compensate for it. Yeah, easily. And I mean, hey, uh I mean, sadly, I mean, that's, that's just the way that, you know, stupid people are, right? Something, something happens and they look for someone to blame it on, you know, particularly by their appearance, right? That's how they sort of uh, fired a correlation between uh, an event and. Yeah, it's, it's easier to blame a group of people than to find out the facts because it's easier to follow a mob of people who believe the same thing. That way you can reassure yourself of what your beliefs are if they're all thinking the same. Yeah, it's a shame, man. It's a damn shame. Yeah, it's, and then that's why, like, yeah, there was so many things going on. Like, even there was even the yeah, uh, there's the FBI. Even the FBI released during COVID that uh, letting Asian Americans in America know that they are uh, uh, warning them that they will become victims of crime possibly due to to the COVID thing. Like the FBI made a statement saying, "Hey, Asian Americans in America, just letting you guys know, uh, be careful. You are have a high, significantly higher chance of becoming a victim of crime and violence." due to COVID-19. Yeah. Like the FBI literally stated that in a, in a, in a statement. Oh, I've, I've noticed, like, if I go to a gun store, right, or if I, like, go to the range or something, I've noticed that a lot of times, like, a good amount of people there, whether, again, be at a gun store or a range or anything like that, like, there's a good amount of Asians there, right? Like, Obviously, yeah. like a, probably most gun owners in America are white, right? You know, because most people in America are white. Um, but I've noticed like yeah. a decent amount of gun ownership among like the Asian American population here. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, yeah, you know, because military influence guns, it's that's common, you know. But uh, majority wise, like more people take it as a sport. Uh, and I think what it is, um, this is just my personal opinion, is because throughout the last century in movies, curtain media, like Asian men have be, been seen to lack masculinity, to be not heroes or, or superheroes or, or role models. So I guess like, you know, with guns, you think of like, you know, badassery, ramble and stuff. So more of them take on to a sport that like, hey, we're not complacent and just standing there waiting to get killed. Yeah. That's, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned that. That's actually a pretty good point. Like I've noticed in movies, 
like if usually if there's like a supporting uh, Asian character, right? It's he's either like this stereotypical like kung fu master, or he's you know like right? this really uh, just like timid, like very wealthy like Asian businessman. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're either a really rich guy, or you're good at kung fu, or you're like some some Charlie Chan stereotype. That's that's really what it is. And then there's no like, oh, they're just normal people who just like regular stuff like anybody else. And then, yeah, I think the stigma is like, hey, uh, a, a lot of, because what's it called? A lot of uh, like dudes I know that are into guns are also of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were like, uh, some of them are actually like straight up nerds, like uh, chemical bioengineers, uh, dudes making high paying jobs, but they also love guns. But then at the same time, some of them want to break away from the stereotype where like they're not in some kind of high end profession or martial arts. And they're like, you know what? This is our hobby because, you know, it's it's different. It sticks out and it sends a message. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense, man. It's a, you know, you don't need an excuse. Yeah, especially to exercise, you know, your Second Amendment rights. So do you work at a gun store? Well, uh, I had a shooting range. Okay. How's that? It's pretty good. Like, you're basically just doing RSO, like range safety officer and front desk. Um, with the influx of new gun owners, the COVID is kind of scary because sometimes, like, you'll have someone come in and, like, hey, man, can I shoot this here? My grandpa gave this to me. And then it's like a 44 uh, Magnum Smith and Wesson <laughs> uh, 29 dash. It's this is literally Dirty Harry's, like, revolver, you know? Yeah. And then, like, yeah, this dude pulls out the bag. He's like, can I shoot this here? Finger on the trigger. And I was like, oh, oh let me see that real quick. I released the slide, and there's, like, two SIG V-Crown 44 Magnum in there. And I was like, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I think I might have to show it to work in, like, some level four plates just to be safe. Because I'm, like, getting popped by 44 mag, like, at two feet, three feet distance. I don't think level three I, – I don't think I'll survive from the debt in my Yeah, chest. probably not. I, that's not something I'd want a chance. Yeah, but it's it's pretty cool, man. Like it's uh, you get to see all sorts of guns come in. Like I had dudes bring it, bring in like their their great grandfathers, like nineteen eleven, like nineteen fourteen, nineteen eleven, like from the war. Ooh, nice. Yeah, and then we, we had guys in there like uh, uh what's it called? They they bring in their their legal, uh, you know, legal uh, semi-automatic Uzis, you know, like. And yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that goes in there, especially all the old folks that come in with their little history projects. Like, I love it. It's like, wow, this was in a war at one time. Wow, somebody, like, you know, died because of this. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> Are you guys an indoor range? Yeah, it's an indoor range. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to – Um, it's in Orange County, right? Yeah, it's in Orange County. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you ever want to just link up with me and I'll get you a Yeah, spot. man, you'll have, to, uh, you'll have to tell me where it is, dude. I – I'd like to go for sure, uh, especially when we go down. Like, me and my buddies will go down to SoCal. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, now probably once or twice a year or something like that. Yeah, we need places to shoot, man. There's there's only so many places in California. Yeah, and then sometimes, like, they're, they're charging out the ass just, just for just uh, shooting, dude. But it's, it's pretty fair at my place. It's like you're looking at – under 30 bucks for a person there's no time okay nice yeah we had we had a place probably about a half hour from where i'm at and their prices were pretty decent too and they had like a lot of 
pistols you can rent and then like they had a ton of deals right like oh if you come in with you know a person that the your guest like gets half off or if you, oh you run a gun like you know like all these crazy deals whatever and like the state shut them down right um because they said that oh. people were getting exposed to like lead poisoning like you understand it's a range right like if you yeah, spend all day happen. like shooting pistols with your bare hands and you're like licking your fingers after like yeah you're probably going to get lead poisoning you know if yeah like they're all day sweating and then like you're wiping your forehead and they're and then everyone's out there shooting like uh, uh all that powders in there like of course you're gonna get some like lead in there it's not like you're eating the lead it's just exposed yeah, to it. exactly that's, that's normal and i'm like it's like hey i walk into this room and there's a fire and then i wonder why it's burning me because i stay in here too long stupid man that was like one of the only good indoor ranges around here and now it's gone because of that yeah we, we got pretty good uh filtration systems in here like every day we change out the filters there's fresh air blowing in and sort of cycling out like all the air with the, the light and everything okay for sure for sure yeah we have filters like we're uh what's called uh the exposure is very little due to it constant airflow uh, just cold air coming in and then the other air just sucking out all that lead out so you'll you'll never see fog or smoky powder flying around in there nice so with these um with these protests, you guys were pretty scared of looters, huh? Yep. <laughs> Dude, um where uh where that protest was happening, like it was literally about two blocks away from like the, the restaurant that I was I was on top of. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And then you know how these people are like, Oh, these protests are peaceful. I'm like, I'm watching a live feed right now, they just looted a smart and final. <laughs> Yeah, no, I saw it was like, getting pretty like, bad down there. Yeah, like they were breaking through the windows. Like the workers were putting, you know, like the the, the workers that night, they were putting all the shopping carts to block the doors and stacking water bottles up, you know? And then like they broke through and crawled through. Like the funny thing is uh, none of the vegetables were disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> but all the, all the snacks, beer, and liquor, gone. Man. Tobacco, gone. But then, you know, like, the vegetables were untouched. <laughs> yeah, man, people people were freaking out about that rioting. I know, like, so I live in the Bay Area. I live in, like, a uh, small town. I don't know. We maybe have, like, 50,000 people here at the very most, right? But not, you know, not a lot happens here. You know, it's a, it's a pretty calm mm-hmm. town. Um, and yeah. they planned a protest, right, at, like, the community center down the street from where I'm at. And I think, I mean, no more than like 50 people showed up, right? But it's not like people in uh, in my town are going to, you know, go burning down Target and stuff like that. It's just not yeah, going to happen they, here. Like, yeah, they probably just show up with the signs, show their presence, and then go home. That's you know? pretty much what happened, man. Like I drove, they were downtown, and I like drove up and down downtown, and they were kind of just like standing there, you know, with their with their signs. People were honking at them. That's pretty much it. <laughs> girlfriend was and, pissed and because it closed down the target because they thought it was going to get looted yeah yeah but yeah but how those people are protesting here that's how it should be just out there not blocking the road saying their message and everyone going about their day no for sure for sure i hear it man yeah it was got way out of hand quick yeah like i'm all for peaceful protests and this and that but i'm not here for disrupting the roads 
uh, you taking advantage, uh, turning this protest into an opportunity and thinking it's free game to get free stuff. Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately that's what happens, man. I mean, once you, uh, I don't know how to put this, I guess once you disrupt the system enough, I guess if I could put it like Mm -hmm. that, you know, people, uh, take advantage of the opportunity. I mean, that's, you know, what we saw with LA riots in 92, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, a lot of damage was done. Like, uh, yeah, there's actually the same because of the 92 riots. Uh, there was an influx of Koreans from L.A. moving to my area, like, significantly. Like, they actually live in a whole portion of the city in Orange County in, like, a Garden Grove. Like, you go through one neighborhood, uh, one mm-hmm. street, like, three three blocks down. It's all, like, a mini Koreatown there. And then I've spoken to some of the people there that they had their parents that used to live during the L.A. riots. They said the reason why they moved here is because they fear of this happening again. They were so terrified about because I, I can't exactly remember the percentage, but about not fifty uh, percent, but right under fifty, over forty percent of the damages during the LA riots was in Koreatown, like was targeted. I, yeah, I think I heard that same thing too. And I mean, it this goes to show you that it can happen at any time, right? Yeah. And the government, government, uh, I mean, really failed at reacting to it. Yeah, like, it, it, yeah, I actually know some National Guard buddies that got activated for L.A. Okay. And then, yeah, he was, like, he was, like, word on word told me, like, yeah, man, like, we were in front of a plaza that had a lot of stores and stuff, and people were literally in their cars doing drive-bys on the National Guard and throwing Molotov cocktails up there <laughs> in L.A. Jesus. I know. Uh... Yeah, he's, he's like, we're out here guarding a Chick-fil-A, and people are, like, doing a, doing a drive-by on us. I'm like, come on, man, really? Yeah, one of my friends from high school, he got activated. Uh, I think they went to the state capitol, actually. The state buildings up there. You know, you know what people should protest? They should protest the DMV and the IRS. Oh, I hear that, man. I hear that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, my registration fees are way too high, dude, and the IRS is taking too much. I'm like, hey, they looted and burned those buildings. Not say I would ever do that. But I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't be sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't shed a tear if the uh, IRS got, got uh, burned down. But that's just me. Right? Like, yeah, but then, like, it's like mom and pop businesses. Like, and, and what's stupid is, like, uh, dude, uh, I got so much flack from, like, uh, what's it called? These uh, people who were against me being on the roof. They, they were actually calling me anti-black for, for defending a family business. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, people, again. No shortage of stupid people. Yeah, and like they were pushing the narrative that I was on the roof to, uh, to revitalize the nine two riots and shoot black people, and I was like, <laughs> no, I was there for anyone who's outside the protest who deemed themselves as a looter and rioter who, who do harm. And they're like, oh well, 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 you go to jail, you shoot them. I'm like, they don't come on my property, trying to steal things and hurt me in the process. I will respond in a. Uh, orderly manner in case of uh, it's uh, imminent danger such as bodily injury and or death. Is that a family-owned restaurant? Yeah, it's uh, like a family friends, but uh, I had permission from the the actual owner to be on there because he it, it was all like this. Um, it was uh in Orange County in Santa Ana. The riots were getting pretty close. Like everyone's watching the live feed of them looting the the smart and final tra- Like the funny thing is they didn't even they nobody trashed the twenty four fitness gym even though those fuckers charged me two months and even though they were closed. 
<laughs> yeah, like my buddy called me. He's like, yeah, man, I'm at, at my restaurant and there's suspect, uh, suspect people pulling up. And all I got is a knife, man. And I was like, okay, ETA 10 minutes. So what I do, like I pop my safe, grab my M1 carbine, my 1911, my little SIG. And then I, I got my little uh, my little Toyota Foreigner and just hauled ass. And then I just pulled up, parked there, you know, parking the handicap sign and put my handicap sign up just in case anyone want to tow my car. <laughs> you have a handicap yeah. sign? Yeah. <laughs> that jump must have fucked you up. Yeah, but, you know, hey, I don't have to walk that far when I park in the front now. Yeah, no, I hear it, man. <laughs> Take what you can get. And then, yeah, like, uh, we pulled up, and then, like, I was like, what's going on? What's the deal? So it, how it works is the restaurant is, like, by itself. It's not connected to a plaza. So they have their own parking lot with walls and then the building of the restaurant. So there's no other entry besides the front, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is too open, like – you got any more, uh, you got a place with better vantage point? He's like, we can go inside. I was like, is there access to that roof? He's like, yeah, he's got to go climb the stairs. I'm like, okay, let's get on the roof. And that's where it happened. And then there was, yeah, dudes pulling up into the parking lot. And uh, they were all in like, uh, it was called just suspicious looking like vehicles. That, you know, like those throwaway vehicles that look like it's been, the car's been stolen. They use it to do illegal things in. Yeah. Yeah, so dude pulls up, like, all in the end of the parking lot. And then they got flashlights walking around. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they did not show up at a Vietnamese restaurant at 11 p.m. at night to get some noodles and go around with flashlights around the property. Probably not. And then, yeah, at that point, uh, it got bad because uh, the Santa Ana Police Department was uh, – I forgot what the – it was a code word for it. They were calling all local police departments to come assist them. So – so what happens when all the police in the surrounding area are focusing on one city? So what happens to the surrounding cities? They're not getting enough attention. And people are like, let's loot the cities or loot the surrounding areas that are not being focused on because everyone's focusing on Santa Ana. Yeah, yeah it's all bad. So I'm, yeah, so I'm thinking everybody's focused on Santa Ana and they're calling other PD uh, police departments to send uh, send. Uh, uh, patrols over there so what happens to the city nearby they're not going to pay attention to it because the main focus is a city that's literally on fire right now yeah but um yeah thankfully fortunately uh you know i didn't have to point my firearm at anybody uh it was just a show of presence and it worked like when people saw me on that roof and they were like oh god there's someone there like oh, oh it's is that a rifle 180 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a I really mean, good show of force and a deterrent you know like and then yeah we the owner uh the owner had his buddy up there and he just like oh he's like oh look that's like rooftop korean vibes take a picture i guess he took that picture and then he sent it to me and i posted it in my little like gun group and then it, it blew up the next day because someone yeah, shared it <laughs> Yeah, like um, there was all these old boomer dudes. Like, what kind of duck call is he using? I'm like, no, it's a vape. They're like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then the comments were hilarious on Reddit, man. They were like, wow, wow he must using a hipster duck call to call out all the looters. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with the smell of the vape, they'll, they'll, it'll attract them again. I'm out of the shadows. But yeah, um, I, I I planned it out pretty good, just like uh, uh means of uh, emergency and everything. I had a sector sketch and range fans and everything drawn up. Ooh, yeah, yeah you're committed. Yeah, because it, it was like, I was like, okay, this is my community, and 
I love this restaurant. I'm not letting it get set on fire or like destroyed. And yeah, for some reason, like after it got posted, I got a lot of flack for people saying that I'm going to jail for being on private property with firearms, or I'm uh, or I'm racist because I'm up there only to shoot minorities. I'm like, yeah, so I guess yeah. I'm not a minority either. <laughs> you know? So stupid, like, man. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not classifying looters and rioters as a specific ethnic group. That it comes to racism, stupidity, looting, rioting. It comes from all colors, all corners of the world. Yeah, but it, it, you know, like, and then at first, like, some people are like, oh, maybe we should take the photo down. So I'm like, no, like, if this offends people so much, then I'm gonna keep pushing it on because the moment that I take things off or remove things because it uh, to, uh, you know, to pander to someone or to to appease someone, that means I let them win. I let them think of me as everything they think I am. I don't, I don't get what's so offensive about that. You know, I mean, I saw, I saw your post. I read it. Like you clearly stated, hey, um. Like I support your First Amendment right to protest, and I respect that. And you know, as long as you respect my right to defend private property, then we're all good. Yeah, it, it's it's like I'm not actively going out there to like shoot people. You know, like that's what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm on a property to protect it. Don't come on here. Uh, don't come on here thinking you could steal stuff from our livelihoods and hurt us in the process because. When's the last time you've seen a, someone who was looting a store and be like, hey, uh, you work here? Can you move aside so I can steal the stuff that you're working hard for? No, they're going to beat the crap out of you in the process yeah. of taking your stuff. Yeah. There was that, there was that guy in, um, I want to say it was Houston, that was mm-hmm. uh, defending, I think he was like defending a bar or something like that. But like he came out with a sword um and these protest these protests yeah they, beat the hell beat out, the of him. out of him. like i'm i'm still not even sure if he actually survived that like i'm i'd be unconfirmed my mind. i think he died from a from a concussion yeah i i believe it man they beat the hell out of him yeah i saw the video like they were jumping him and then that last part where that dude came out of the corner and hit him in the back of the head with skateboard like the mm-hmm. little metal part with the wheels yeah and then the way I saw his body, it was contorting as though he was going into shock. Yeah, he he was not looking too hot, man. Yeah, like it, that literally looks like I, I've seen what brain hemorrhaging uh, does to people. And when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that guy's definitely dead. Like first thing in my head, I'm like, he's either dead or he's at least a vegetable, you know, because of this. But it's it's wild, you know, like like. Why are we causing so much death and calamity? You know, like, yeah, uh, dude got killed by the cops in Minneapolis. Very, very messed up, very unfortunate of what happened. But then why are we committing more violence upon each other as a human race based off this one incident? It's like, I get it. We can be emotional, but let's not take take overboard. Now there's, I'm like, so is that guy's life not worth uh, anymore? Is it worth less? He has family, kids, uh, you know, a history. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely an element of human nature in it, right? So, you know, I mean, George Floyd gets killed, right? And people get pissed, and rightfully so, right? And people mm-hmm. protest, and rightfully so, right? Because mm-hmm. in my opinion, at least, it took way too long for those cops to, A, get fired, and be charged, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they were again, literally just hanging out there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, hey, people get pissed and they protest, right? And, again, rightfully so. Um, 
And then there are people that unfortunately take advantage of that, right? Yeah, the opportunist. Exactly. People, yeah, the opportunist, right? And the opportunists um, start doing stupid shit. And that winds people up, right? Mob mentality. Uh, it's kind of a, yeah. a cliche term to use, right? But that definitely plays into human nature, right? People start doing stupid shit. Yep. And yeah, you get riled up. Yep. Emotions run high. People next to your emotions run high. Like, yeah, let's do what he's doing. And and the first thing you do is agree in action. There's no thinking until after, until you go home. Like, damn, why did I do exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this this is how this stuff happens, man. You know, stores uh, stores get looted. I mean, small businesses get destroyed and people get killed. Yeah. And think about it. Like, these businesses are barely holding on by a string based on the COVID shutting everything down. And now you destroyed and put them back, like, some back, like, you. No, for sure, man. I mean, there because, couldn't have been a worse time for this to happen, right? Yep. And the, and the sad thing is most people don't know is that majority of a, a company, a majority of businesses, small business, they don't – the insurances do not cover looting and rioting. Mm-hmm. They cover, like, natural stuff that happens or, like, well, one person breaks into a store and steals. But this is, like, a national event. And they don't cover like ma- massive like looting and rioting. Yeah. And I mean, even if they did, man, I mean the premiums on those would be massive, right? Yeah, you you might as well like be be living on water and bread, you know? Ooh, man, it is just a shitty situation all around. Yeah, and then and then yeah, that's why I was like, I'm not letting this restaurant get uh, get torn up. I'm like, they just barely opened in a couple years, you know? The family, yeah built their whole entire lives to pick up this property and then pick up some land. The funny thing is uh, that it was my uh, first time being on the roof of that uh, restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I, to- I told the owner, like, hey, you know, I used to come here when I was eight years old when it was like a, a Shakey's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I used to go to the preschool literally half a mile down from this way. I'm like, so this place is nostalgia to me, you know? It's like, this is my community. And I'm not letting anyone, especially opportunists, take it over and self-gain. And I think this also falls under... The thing where, like, you know, my, my family, we suffered very, very heavily from communism. Mm-hmm. And I will, at any point in my life, I will throw, uh, what's called, I would drop everything to stop people from getting free stuff or supporting the idea of disruption uh, of our livelihoods for their own personal gain. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more like, for me, helping a friend out and at the same time, I'm like, I'm not letting people get free stuff from, from the hard work of others i'm like that's a straight up communism you think about it taking what's not yours because it's an opportunity for you and to disrupt other people's lives for personal gain yeah pretty much man yeah but yeah dude um that yeah next morning like everyone's sending me messages like bro like why is your picture on here because i had a couple buddies but i'm like hey what are you up to i was like yeah i'm on the rooftop my family restaurant and then they're like, holy shit, your photos being on Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, like all the gun pages are sharing it. It's like pushed all around like Instagram. And I was like, who leaked it? But, you know, it's too late now. I can chase it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a famous man. Right? Like all I did was this because honestly, it all happened when my buddy said, hey, I don't feel safe. Uh, can you come help out? Like, help me out. And I'm like, uh, ETA 10 minutes. Grab my, my gats, get in my car and just pull up and get on the roof and that, that's basically how it started man and then now I, I see a lot of people like they're posting the same photos protecting their own businesses and stuff and 
I've gotten a lot of messages from like Asian Americans and just everyone, it's just regular, regular Americans around the world saying, yeah, man, like, you know, like right when we thought the second man was dying in America, you go up on that roof and, uh, you know, you put the stigma of like, you know, get up there and protect what's yours. Like, they're like, oh, there's nothing more American than that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's times like these where, um, the true purpose of the second amendment, um, you know, really comes to light. Right. Hey, when the, yeah. when the cops aren't coming, hey, you got to do something, man. You know, if no one, if no one's coming yeah, to save you, you're the only person that could help yourself out. Exactly. I'm like that 911 call is not going to, uh, you know, go very well if they're out, out there dealing with all sorts of stuff. Oh, exactly, man. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. When I was on that roof, like there was cops driving by and they looked up, they saw me and then they just kept driving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got other stuff to do, man. And they're like, yeah, he looks like he's not trespassing. Why would he trespass on the roof? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it, it it was a wild ride, dude. Like, yeah, there, there was like this like uh, this one page that was like uh, that was trying to dox me, and literally like sent all these haters to me. Like, I even got death threats and stuff. And then, what people don't know is if you're gonna do a death threat, they'll actually use your profile and leave a, a digital paper trail. Yeah. Where I'm like, like yo, yeah, they were like, yeah, uh, I'm gonna find out where your restaurant is and burn it down, or we catch you on the street, me and my boy. I'm like, hey, is this your car? Uh, two, uh, 2009 Nissan Altima. You have a leak on the on the bottom side, of the left side, and this is the picture of your house. And then I get blocked in someone. Yeah, people are you know, stupid, like, man. Yeah, like if you're gonna make threats, don't actually put your public profile, your name on your Facebook, and then like leave your actual pictures of your house and your family and pictures of your cars on public. <laughs> like it's like, hey, I'm 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 gonna attempt to cause harm to you, but also don't don't go on my profile where it shows where I live and everything I own and what I look like and where I work. Like like where where's the sense in that, you know? Yeah, I none. None at all. Yeah. Because nowadays people tend to believe that this is what I mean by like certain people who have power uh like a like a they have power over the media or like they have influence and then they make one uh, one suggestion or alleged suggestion of a person and everyone that's following them will just uh, just bum uh just bum out and just gather against one person just because this one person said it yeah there's many people that commented on my stuff and after i corrected them they're like oh oh that that's not what i i saw i'm like well exactly that's not what you saw you you jumped in head first without finding the actual fact and then you attacked me and made threats But, you know, like you said, uh, stupidity, you know, is abundant. Yeah, very, very. Well, yeah, man, Um, that that's basically how I got on that roof. And basically some one person took a picture because it was like, oh, the roof Korean, uh, rooftop <laughs> Korean vibe. And then, you know, I thought it was funny. I shared it to a little gun group. And then next, you know, they, they saved it and then sent it to like 10 people who sent it to like 5,000 people or something like that. And then, and then, like for the longest time, people thought I was like some angry Korean guy on top of his like a restaurant in L.A. Because there was people making captions like, "like oh, a, a Korean grocery store was looted last night, and they're back." And I was like, "I'm not, I'm not Korean, but you guys keep playing that that role." <laughs> <laughs> uh, rooftop Vietnamese man. 
yeah dude there were so many memes like i i saved them all like there's like over 100 memes with our picture on there and I, like uh where they had the old original like la rooftop koreans on the left side and then a picture of me on the right side and the, and it says the, the return of the king i was like jesus <laughs> yeah i've seen those too yeah they're, they're they're it's like wow these people make memes like really fast like it hasn't even been 12 hours since i posted the photo Oh, dude, the internet wastes no time at all. Yeah, they don't. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, some, so even the we had some people that were like, hey, man, uh, uh, we'd like to draw a picture and you get some stickers and patches done. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, like, everyone wants, like, oh, I want a, a, a rooftop Vietnamese patch or, or a sticker. I'm like, yeah, hold up. We're still in production. We got to get the fine lines out. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buy one. I'm not Vietnamese, but that's a bad one. Yeah, dude. Um, there's actually this patch I want to uh, keep making. It's the California flag, right? Just a basic California flag, but instead it says the state of California. The message on it says the Democratic People's Republic of California. I saw that on your Instagram. If you may, if you're still making them, I'll buy one. Yeah, the DPRC. Welcome to the DPRC. Yeah, I need a patch. <laughs> I need a patch for my play carrier anyway. Right, nothing like the Democratic People's Republic of, of California. <laughs> hey, man, we've been going at it for a uh, for a while here. Um, is there any uh, businesses or social media or anything like that you want to shout out? Uh, yeah. Um, there's uh these guys that make pretty good hats called uh, uh Green Wolf Tactical. They're the ones that made me that rooftop 2020 caps. Um. Yeah, anything customization, as in patches, stickers, embroidery, and stuff, they'll hook it up. Like I, like they're like, hey man, I'll hook you up with this hat and stuff. And dude, literally made it and sent it to me in like three days. Like, and he's like, and he's like, from, I can't exactly remember where, but he he got it shipped there pretty fast. And then um, uh, what's it called? Yeah, Kilo Tactical and Nine 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 Defense. Uh, they're also stickers and gear company. They also got me a. Uh, what's it called the tiger uh, tiger stripes uh, face mask and they got like slap on stickers nice. pretty cool dudes nice yeah that's about it um yeah i want to i want to thank my dad you know for creating me and making making this event happen where a meme could occur you know he lived in history with the with the mac v song my grandpa lived in history by being part of the oss i've become history by being a meme so I, I guess that counts. <laughs> You've earned your place, right? Now I've got to wait for my future kids to, to like you know, of, you know, make the number four in the legacy. <laughs> yeah, man, I really appreciate uh, having you on. I would love to have you on another time if you'd be interested. Yeah, yeah. It's whenever you, uh, you need me on, man, just let me know and we'll arrange the time. Right. Yeah, for sure. Again, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, man, have a good one. I'll talk to you later. All right. You too, dude. See ya. Stay safe.